everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Renovation Vineyard Church. Hey, before we get started here, our young people are going to do something. You can go on up, get on up and uh, start this. We're going to do a Haiti hurricane relief. Our brothers and sisters at Carolina Bay's church uh, is teaming up with Project James. I've been familiar with Project James for several years, and they work in Haiti. And they're going to collect supplies for a trip to Haiti that's going to be happening November 2nd. Uh, you'll see a list of supplies there right on the, the sheet. I don't need to read. I think you can read that all by yourself. If you need someone to read it to you, let me know. But um, if you would bring supplies to the church on, on Friday, this Friday, the 28th of October, which is our movie night again, another little plug. And next Sunday, October 30th, we will deliver them to Carolina Bays so that they can give that to Project James. There's also a website for Project James right there. So if you want to donate directly to them, that would be awesome as well. So we are continuing in our series looking at the churches of Revelation. And we want to have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Is that right? Thank you. Amen. That's right. We want to have ears to hear what God is saying to his bride. So we're going to look at that. Is it good to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Because it's cold outside. That's why it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. It's cold outside. Who likes likes the colder weather? Raise your hand if you like the colder weather. Yeah, it's nice to have the change. I'm from Virginia in the mountains, so we're used to the real change of all the trees and beautiful colors, but that's all right. I'd uh, I'd rather be here in Myrtle Beach, so that's all right. Uh, We are looking at the church, specifically of uh, the church of Thyatira. If you have your Bibles with you or if you have a Bible app on your phone or a tablet, go ahead and open that up so we can look at that together. Chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 18. If you don't have your Bible with you, that's all right. We're going to have it up on the screen here uh, momentarily. Mm. Thyatira, people pronounce this a little bit differently. I listened to Andy's message last week. Uh, and so people, people pronounce this name a little bit differently. Of course, my pronunciation is right. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't, you know, we know what we're talking about. But I want to start off with, uh, with a, a little story, if I could, a little, little joke. Those that have heard this from me, I apologize uh, for those that have not heard it yet, I apologize. But um, so let me tell you this story. It's kind of funny. So one day this old man decided to go fishing. Right? So he, he got his boat and he got his rod and his reels together. He got his, his tackles together. And he headed out on the lake. It was a beautiful day. He was having a great time. And he's sitting there fishing. And suddenly he hears this voice and says, Hey, you, hey, you, look here, look here. And he looks to his left. And to his right, doesn't see anybody. So he goes back fishing. A couple minutes later, he hears the voice again. He goes, hey, you, hey, you, look here, down here. And he looks into the boat. And staring back at him is this frog right there in his boat. He says to the frog, are you talking to me? And the frog says, oh, yes. Oh, yes, this is your lucky day. For if you pick me up and kiss me, I will turn into a beautiful woman and become your bride. So the old man leans down, picks up the frog, and puts it in his pocket. 
The frog says, hey, what are you doing? Didn't you hear what I said? If you kiss me, I'll become a beautiful woman and become your bride. And the old man says, at my age, I'd rather have a talking frog. <laughs> Our perspective can change over time, can it? Our priorities can change over time. And, and um, as we continue in our relationship with Christ, as we deepen in our relationship with Christ, our appetites change and our affections change. Amen? They're supposed to. They're supposed to. So we're going we're gonna to look into that today as we consider what Jesus is saying to the church of Thyatira. All right, all right. Let me get back to my place here. I want us to, to be aware of something or kind of remind ourselves of something today as we're looking at what Jesus is speaking to the church. And he's, we want, I want you to know this. Jesus is confronting his church or his bride for the purpose of restoration and restoring her to our right relationship with him. That is always God's desire, restoration, not condemnation. He wants to restore his bride to a right relationship with himself. So let's get into this passage of second, uh, the, the second chapter of Revelation, verses 18 through 29. Going to look at a map here real quick. I'm sorry. Go back. If there's there you go. Just to kind of, if you're not familiar with where this might be, here's a, a map of the Mediterranean Sea. Europe is up top. Spain to the left. Italy kind of right in the middle there. Turkey right on the to the right of that. You can go to the next slide. And all these churches of Revelation are kind of clustered in this area, which is uh, called we used to be called Asia Minor. Now it's Turkey. And so you can kind of see Thyatira between the church of Pergama and Sardis right there. So we're looking at this church and what's, uh, what's happening, what, what Jesus um, kind of addresses to them. A little bit about Thyatira, the town. It's a small town. You go there on your way to somewhere else. Um, nothing really significant there. There's no natural defenses within that area. And so it's just a, a place that you go on the way to somewhere else. They did have different kinds of trades, like uh, what we call trade guilds. So there was maybe potters, uh, tanners, people that work with leather, leathermen, and also people that dyed cloth. And they were known for their purple dye. So that is one thing that Thyatira would be known for. Now, this, this town, Thyatira, is only... Reference one other time in Scripture, and that's in Acts. And we learn about a lady by the name of Lydia, who is a dyer in purple. And she is Saul's, um, Paul's first convert when, she, when he was in Philippi, when she was in Philippi. So that's the only other reference we really have of this area. Think of Thyatira as uh, the, the difference between a big city and a small town. The other towns are much more, quote-unquote, significant, bigger. Think of it this way. If Jesus were to write a letter to us today, okay, he may send one letter to Charlotte, another letter to maybe Columbia or Charleston, maybe Wilmington or Raleigh, and then he sends one to Longs. <laughs> okay, right? Not only does he send a letter to Longs, but his longest letter is to Longs. He spends the most time 
speaking to Thyatira. I think that's kind of interesting. And I think that reminds me, and I don't know if you want to take notes today or not, but I think this is an interesting point. Just because something seems insignificant in the eyes of the world does not make it insignificant in Jesus. Right? Thanks for coming. Let's go. Keep coming there. And that's the price of admission right there. Just because something seems insignificant to the, to the world in the eyes of the world does not make it insignificant to Jesus. And again, Jesus confronts his church, his bride, because he loves us. He's concerned for us. That's, his heart is, his heart, you've got to go back to his heart. His heart is reconciliation. So let's go to uh, chapter 2, verse 18 and 19. Let's begin there. And we'll see what Jesus has to say to them and to us. Starting in verse 18. To the angel of the church at Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God. Let me stop right there. These are the words of the Son of God. If I did my study right, I hope I did, this is the only time that the phrase or the title Son of God appears in Revelation. All the book of Revelation. It's the only time. And this is the only time that Jesus uses this title of himself. He infers it, right? and, and, and Scripture confirms it. But this is the only time that he actually refers to himself or uses this title for himself. So when we, again, look at this letter as compared to the other letters, the other churches, it's interesting because he's introducing himself as the Son of Man. But here it's, it, it's a little weightiness to it. You know what I'm saying? It's a little, it's a little heavy. He's, he's got something to say to this, to this church. It speaks of his deity. Son of man speaks of his humanity. Son of God speaks of his deity. So we need to pay attention to what Jesus is saying to this church. Continuing, it says, His eyes are like blazing fire, and whose feet are like burnished brass. So, burnished bronze. This speaks of his power and authority. He has the authority and the right to speak to his church. Amen? He has the authority and the right to speak to his bride. And that's what he's doing here. You can see that picture of uh, the, the, uh, the eye. I don't know if you have a picture of the eye there. Maybe not. It's all right. But the... Uh, there we go. It's piercing. He can see. Again, I'm amazed. And you think you're receiving this letter yourself, or this church is receiving it. It says, man, Jesus knows what's going on down here. He understands. He's seeing what's happening. Again, it speaks to his deity, omnipresence. He's omnipotent or omnipotent. And so it's speaking of his deity and his right and his ability to speak to this church. I don't know about you, but when you think of this, this fire, this blazing fire, Scripture says that God is an all-consuming fire, and He wants to purify the church. Andy mentioned last week in his message about getting rid of the dross in precious metal silver. What happens is when you heat up a precious metal, all the impurities and gunk rise to the top. 
And the person that is working that metal then skims that junk off the top. What happens as that individual works that metal longer and longer and the purities come out and the purities, impurities come out, the person who's working the metal, as he looks at the metal, their image becomes clearer and clearer. I want, I want the image of Jesus become clearer and clearer in me. I want, when people see me, they see less of me and they see more of Jesus. That's, that's my hope. That's my desire. Continuing in this passage, in it, he says, I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service, perseverance, that you are now doing more than what you did at first. Boy, put that picture of that church up. If you can move that, I don't know if you can move that on. This description of the church sounds pretty good. Maybe I need to get the address to this church. Maybe I'll show up next week. This sounds pretty good if you stop right here, right? Listen, again, he knows the deeds, man. They have love, they have faith, they have service, they have perseverance. They're doing more than what they did at first. It sounds like pretty good. But Jesus has additional things to share with them. And so in verse 20, we, we see, nevertheless. <laughs> that word, when you hear nevertheless, what's coming after it probably is not too good. Okay. It's like a parent saying to, his, to their child, you cleaned up your room, right? you, did, you put away your laundry. Right? Nevertheless, you left the kitchen a disaster. Nevertheless, you didn't do your homework and you failed your test. Nevertheless is not something you want to hear. So Jesus speaks to them, Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet or prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and eating of food sacrificed to idols. You can put that next picture up just as a Visual reference there. So what's happening here? This, this person, Jezebel, and she's doing this. She's, she's calling herself a prophet or prophetess, and she's teaching and, and leading people astray into sexual immorality, eating of food sacrificed to idols. What in the world is going on? Well, in Thyatira, there was many uh, false uh, temples, false gods, small g, that people were worshiping. And I mentioned that they had trade guilds. And each of these kind of trade guilds or unions had their own pet god that they kind of rallied around. Right? And they would get together uh, to eat and to, and to have meetings, and they would participate in all kinds of sexual immorality, all kinds of deviant behavior, and, and the eating of food that was sacrificed to these idols, these gods. And... That was the culture that was happening. And you can imagine, think of it now, um, if you want to get some business done, you've got to provide for your family, right? You know, maybe I should go and kind of hang out. I'm not going to participate, you know, but maybe I should kind of hang out. And if, and if you don't go, they're going to say, where were you? Hey, why didn't you show up to the meeting? You know, we, we, we were going to make a business deal. It sounds a little bit like 
today. I mean, really, it's not that far-fetched. I mean, the culture that we're living in, I think you can say, is rapidly changing. And it's okay for you and me to have our faith inside the little box, the four walls of the church. But don't you dare begin to live that out outside these walls. We're going to find resistance. And, you know, that's okay because Jesus said that we're going to have resistance. Is that right? Is that what he said? We better expect it, right? Now, we are not experiencing at the level that our brothers and sisters around the world are, right? But we might someday. We might. So this is what's happening in the culture of Thyatira. So then this Jezebel that Jesus speaks of, the biblical context is that there was a Jezebel that was married to the king of Israel, Ahab. He was the worst king Israel ever had. He was, he was a mess. Oh, the economy was good while he was king, by the way. But he was a mess. And all kinds of wickedness prevailed when he was king. And Jezebel was from a family that had certain pet gods, certain pet things. And what happened with Jezebel and her family is that they married sexuality with worship. And so there's all this deviance, distorted distortion of what God means for good, and distorting it, and then adding a layer of this false worship. So this crazy thing's happening. She was, you don't, you don't want to name your daughter Jezebel. Let me just say, don't want, to, don't want to do that. All right, so here, though, here in the church, Jesus says, Jezebel is among you. Now, Jesus isn't talking about Jezebel of the Old Testament. He's really, he's really saying that the, the, the attitude, the spirit of Jezebel. Someone in the church is manifesting the characteristics of Jezebel that we read in the Old Testament. So, so not only is there compromise happening or, or all kinds of behavior happening within the culture, but now it's seeping into the church. And this person is promoting things that are against God's best. And they're promoting uh, sexual immorality. They're promoting eating of uh, food that have been sacrificed to these idols. And, and so Jesus has got to step in and say something. This, this, this is not good. That's happening. And as we, again, consider what Jesus is saying to the church, we have to ask ourselves... What would he say to us? Are there areas in which we have maybe compromised? Individually, as a body? We have to be honest with ourselves and ask ourselves that question. Yeah, I don't know what all may be going on. I don't know if there's compromise. I know Jesus knows. He knows. And again, his, his heart and his desire is to woo us back to himself. His heart and his desire is to restore us to a right relationship with him. That's his desire. Back to Jesus' letter to the church. A word of rebuke and a word of judgment. Verse 21. I have given her, speaking of Jezebel, speaking of what's happening in the church, I have given her time to repent of her immorality 
but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely, unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. This picture of children, this word children, is kind of like, um, um, well, the outcome of sin is death. The fruit of death, the fruit of sin is death. So he's saying what happens, what, what comes forth from what's happening, it's, it's death. It's spiritual death. So I will strike your children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Verse 24 and 25. Now, I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching, have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burdens on you. Only hold on to what you have until I come. So again, Jesus is justified in his, in his judgment. He is. He can say what he wants to say. And what he says is true, and he says is right. And again, what he says, his, his intent is that we be healed, spiritually healed. And that we, if there's something going on that we need to repent of and turn away from, we do it. We respond. His desire is for reconciliation and restoring us. Moving on to verse 26 then. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. Again, speaking of authority. He will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my Father, I will also give that one the morning star. The morning star there was astrology happening in Thyatira. So people were worshiping and, and taking in this like, like horoscope type stuff. Man, that, that's, that, that stuff's garbage if you don't know that. Guys, that's really, you need to stay away from that stuff. I don't, I don't know where you are, but you just need to, if, if, if you're in any way dabbling in that stuff, you need to stop. Okay, you need to stop. But so that's the false, right? Looking at the stars, dabbling into the stars. Jesus says, I'm going to give them the morning star, which is himself. Jesus is our prize. Jesus is our reward. Jesus is our trophy. We need to run the race with endurance, crossing that finish line. And what we get? Jesus. We get Jesus. I like that. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Do we have an ear to hear? Mm. To those that hear, really hear and respond to what the Spirit of God is saying to the churches, there is blessing. It's blessing. There's joy. There's hope. There's authority to come. Actually, there's some authority right now. Praise God. But there's even more that, that, God, that Jesus is going to do. 
Thyatira. There's some crazy stuff going on. And Jesus has to confront it, and he has the authority and the right to do so. How about Jesus speak into our lives? Are we going to have ears to hear whatever, whatever he's pinpointing in our lives? Whatever that may be. Are we listening? Are we going to hear what he has to say to us? And us, yes. <laughs> Renovation Vineyard Church. Let he who searches hearts and minds do his work in us. Man, it's late on the clock. <laughs> it's late on the clock. Jesus says to John in Revelation, and these things will surely soon come to pass. If it was soon then, it's even sooner now. And dear friends, he is not slow in keeping his promises. He's not slow in keeping his promises. So what of us? Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling us. Revelation chapter 2, verse 28. Again, he who has an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. What the Spirit is saying to his bride. Let us hear what the Spirit is saying, saying to us. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Hmm. Jesus, when we encounter you and we collide with you, something changes and it's not you. It's got to be us. Holy Spirit, help us to have ears to hear what you are saying, what you are calling us to. Not to simply do more, but to be more to be in love with you more, to, to set aside things that, that are calling us into adultery spiritually, and you calling us into a right relationship with you. You're our bridegroom, we are your bride. Accomplish exactly what you want to accomplish in us. Whatever days that we have left, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what this afternoon holds, Lord. We need to get something right with you. I pray that we will get it right and not delay. Lord, if we have not surrendered our life to you, I pray that you will move on our hearts and we will say, today is the day. You know what? I need to surrender my life to you, Jesus. And we'll do it today. We won't delay. You sit on a throne of grace right now, but you will sit one day on a throne of judgment. And you must judge because you are judge. You are just, Jesus. You are holy. Let us take your instruction. Take it to heart and let us act upon it as you call us to. For our good and for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Mm.